Welcome to Why Filter Life. Have you ever wanted to write a novel? How about an award-winning novel? Well, our special guest today is Mark Masolia. He earned both his bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Maryland. He studied Italian in Florence and has lived in Mexico City. Mark is a business leader, entrepreneur, and author of two novels, San Lorenzo's Truth and Dynamic Truth, which earned him a finalist in the 2018 Royal Palm Literary Award. Mark is here to encourage you to do the same thing. That is, if you want to write an award-winning novel. Well, hello, Mark Masolia. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I am so good. Um, I'm so glad you decided to join me tonight to talk about you and your books and your family. I'm excited to be here. Well, I have a question for you. Why writing? Why writing? I've gotten, I've been asked that question a lot. You know, what made me start writing books? Uh, I, I've always loved telling stories. I've always loved hearing stories, uh, going back to when I was a kid and sitting around the dining room table and hearing my grandfather or my father tell stories. I enjoy people. I like, I like making them laugh. I, I like, uh, intriguing, uh, people with stories. And so, uh, I've always, always enjoyed that part of it. But writing is something that had always kind of been in the back of my mind. It's always been in the back of my head that to, to do something like the best way to start is to actually put pen to paper, uh, or in my case, type it on the computer. And once you start writing, I felt it was a, it was a great way for me to kind of express a lot of the things that I wanted to do and tell a story, engage some people in the story. And and that's how it started. Well, when I read Dynamic Truth, uh, what I found so intriguing about you as an author, first of all, I know your family. Um, your mom is a vibrant, beautiful Italian woman. So when I was reading Dynamic Truth, it was refreshing reading your book because I could actually visualize Vincent's mom, who was an Asian woman raising her son with a stepdad. So it was just awesome that you were able to capture these characters and bring me into the world of the black, the ex-Blackwater diplomat and rare book thief, Lee Vincent. So I just wanted to thank you for those hours of, you know, allowing me to escape into that. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. And, and uh, you know, going to ask me where, where, where I came up with the ideas. And, you know, I, I love heist stories. I love, you know, whether it was To Catch a Thief or Top Cappy or The Italian Job, you know, uh, Ocean's Eleven, you know, all of those kinds of uh, crime type movies and novels really uh, get my interest. And so I wanted to to write in that in that way about that kind of uh, that kind of a story. When you're writing, you have to think about what what are people going to steal and 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 <laughs> what are they going to. And there's you know obviously the Pink Panther or you know some jewels or maybe some gold or some money. Well, I have an interest in antique and rare books. Uh, my cousin in Italy is a is a rare book dealer, and so he's exposed me to a lot of different. Uh, very interesting uh, books that he has for sale. One of them is uh, the item that is being discussed in the book. It's, it's the MacGuffin, the stealing of that of that uh, of that item. It is a real item. It's a real history behind it. So I like to try to put a lot of history into uh, everything I do. Um, a lot of detail. You know, when people take trains, I make sure I look at the train schedule. I want to make sure the number of minutes between this point and that point is the right one. I want to make sure that the backstory on all of the items are there. I do a lot of research in that. And so, you know, I, I appreciate you kind of recognizing that. 
uh, because that's really what I find exciting. And when you're talking about getting lost in the novel, I got lost in it too. For me, I, I work uh, a lot. And, you know, even if I take a vacation, I'm still thinking about my business. I'm still thinking about work. And But when I'm writing, I'm into the characters. I'm in their world. And that's really my escape from the regular world um, is that I can get into those characters. And I start with a character. I start with, you know, who is Lee Vincent? Or, or Max Agresta in my first novel, um, um, San Lorenzo's Truth. Um, who are they? And you put them in a situation. And once they're in that situation, then you, you do, you write what the character would do, not what you would do, but what the character would do. So really it was all, it all starts with the character and then the situation. And then it goes from there. So basically your, your research was founded by your love for rare books, your family sharing that information with you. So that's what got you into the, the mindset of this book and these villains. And Yeah. Well, the villain, uh, well, you know, the character, uh, not to give too much away, but the character of Lee Vincent, he, he is an anti-hero. I mean, he's not always a good guy. And uh, I wanted to write uh, about someone who, you know, maybe steals because he likes stealing because he likes the money. He's maybe not the greatest guy. And um, I borrowed very heavily from uh, a guy I know who is an ex-Blackwater diplomatic security guard. So he's read the book. Uh, he's given me, uh, in its draft form, he's given me a lot of insight into the tactics that they use and the, the different kind of technologies they use. And, and a lot of the stories, um, the backstory really came from him. He's not a thief and he's not a bad guy, but all the other stuff is very, very much uh, similar to, to a real life person because I want things to be realistic. I want things, people to say that could really happen. You know, to kind of change gears, when we were talking around the, the fire at your brother's house, just trying to get some backstory on you, you were talking about that you wrote a children's book and you were going over some of your family history. I think it was your grandmother who who left as um, a young woman, maybe nine or 10, a young girl with a toddler and a younger sibling, and then went to a different country. Can you tell me a little bit about that story? Is that going to be sure. a book or is that just a story you were telling? Oh, it's a real story. Um, I've written it. Uh, what I do is I, I like to write um, pretty quickly. Um, I usually write on my cell phone and I, and I type it up, you know, when I'm on a plane or when I'm waiting for something, I, I kind of, whenever I get the urge, I, I start to write it down and then uh, I let it sit for a while. Then I go back and look at it and I probably make uh 90% corrections and then I let it sit for a while and then I go back at it. So it's, it's, this, the book is done or written, but it's not done. And um, the story is that my, my grandmother, and this is a, the children's book that you referenced, um, my grandmother, when she was about three years old, a little over three, three and a couple months, she was born in the United States. They were living up in uh, Rochester, New York. Um, she was the youngest girl of four. Her mother had just had a baby boy, um, my uncle Gino, and my uh, great grandfather was a painter. He painted uh, the ceilings of churches. He uh, uh, and and my great grandmother, you know, had five kids now, and it was a lot of work. And my grandma, great grandmother, um, decided that uh, she was going to send three of her girls, um, the eight-year-old, the four-year-old, and the three-year-old, to Italy. Of course, in those days, you're talking 19, uh, 1912. Um, they put the three girls on the boat all by themselves, and they sailed across the ocean, 
by themselves. My grandmother was three years old. Um, they landed in Genoa, Italy. Um, they had to walk across the t- uh, across the uh, city by themselves, carrying one su- suitcase. Went to the train station, and uh, they missed their train uh, that they were going to be taking. So uh, the station master um, locked them in uh, the waiting room. Made everyone leave the waiting room. They went into the waiting room. They locked them in, and he came back the next morning to let them out. So this way, they would be protected overnight in the city of Genoa, Italy. Right? They got on the train. They had to make another connection in Torino, made another connection and another one. Um, they finally got to a town close to their town where they got on a, a cart that was pulled by a, a mule and a and hay cart and went a couple miles to uh, to the town where their grandmother finally was. And um, they stayed there until my grandmother was 21 years old. And that's when she came back to the United States. So the war had broken out. There was a a first world war. And so when she never saw her father again, her father passed away um, in, in New York. So um, it's a, it's, it's an interesting story, but it's, it's totally true. And, uh, and, you know, I know those, uh, my great aunts, uh, Zia Enos and Zia Delfina. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's something I want to put down so that other people can see it. And hopefully it's something that uh, folks enjoy. And this is going to be a children's book. Yes. No, it'll be a children's book. I, I mean, uh, I've never done it before. I've never written a children's book. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to do that because there's certain, you know, ways you want to phrase things and ways you want to keep it interesting. And I want it to be interesting, but also factual on, you know, what happened in, in life and to little girls and little boys, you know, in, in the early 1900s, uh, what actually happened in my family. Oh, that is so intriguing. Well, if someone wants to publish a book, if someone wants to write a book or publish a book, I mean, what the heck? It seems like there's just a lot of work. What what problem well, do they do? Lot. What it do you is, do? It is a lot of work. And uh, I get the question a lot. And uh, I, I think the industry now um, is, is a very good news and a bad news situation. Uh, on the good news, anyone can publish a novel. Anyone. String a couple words together and do some very rudimentary um, formatting and uh, uploading of things on uh, Amazon, you you can publish. The downside is that anyone can publish. <laughs> and and so there's a lot of stuff out there by, uh, by authors. Uh, I hope I'm not included in that, but their stuff is not really that good. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in what I do. I have it uh, professionally edited, um, copy editing, line editing is hard, content editing. So there's a lot of money you can spend um, putting putting uh, the best product forward, getting beta readers, people to read the stuff and give you feedback so that you can be the best. I mean, this is what real writers do, as opposed to getting, a, you know, the, the other route, the more traditional route is to get an editor or to get a uh, an agent and then to find have that agent find a publisher for you. But that's a very, very tough business. Uh, there are very few authors in the United States who are uh, fiction authors who make money. I mean, I think the list, the last time I saw of fiction authors who who actually make money is somewhere under 500 and probably closer to like 200. It's just very difficult. So that's why you see so many of these serial like, like Lee Childs or Patterson or or, or folks like that, they write lots and lots of kind of the same theme. Because once you hit on a good theme that people like, or Harlan Coben, uh, you know, those, those people, they, they write really great books and they're a lot of fun to read, but they're kind of staying in the same genre and the same 
character and just progressing it that way. Because once you hit on something that people like, they like to come back to it. And so I, I say to people who ask me, well, how'd you get started? It seems so hard. It's like, well, it is, but, but uh, it's rewarding and it's fun and you should do it because you think it's fun. You don't do it because of money because you're probably not going to make that much. And, and um, it's going to be very frustrating. But if the goal was to write something, if the goal was to, to put your thoughts down on paper and you appreciate that, and if no one ever read it, you still, you know, got a lot of enjoyment, then that's the right way to go. And that's the right way to do it. And then, you know, self-publishing a book and getting it out there and getting it out to people is, is rewarding and fun. You know, that's that's what I encourage everyone who who wants to do it. People come up to me and say, oh, I'd, I'd love to write. I'm going to write one, you know, in 20 years when I retire. It's like, no, write it now. <laughs> write it now. Uh, it'll take you 20 years to do it if you, if you don't really set your mind to it. But put the first words down and then the next ones and the next ones. And if and if you really love it, it'll it'll come out and, and, and you'll you'll have a product at the end. That you can be proud of. Well, you know, what sparked this creativeness? You know, I'm very intrigued because I have come to a point in my life where I'm creating uh, like this podcast. But what, when did you feel this urge to create like this? Because you were a senior vice president of logistics and you had this career, this marriage for 32 years, children, a family. When do you have time? When did you decide to do this outlet, this writing, figure this stuff out? Do you remember a specific... Yes. Well, I actually do remember specific. I, I, I would say I've, I've always tried to create. I mean, I've always been creative and I've, I, I paint a little bit, not very well. I, I try to, I do some woodworking. I do other things. So I always try to be creative. I'm creative in, I think, in my job. Um, it demands creativity. We create solutions for customers. Um, there's not, it's not cookie cutter stuff. It's all um, listening to the customer and trying to develop a, a solution for them. So I mean, the creative juices are always going, but why did I channel it into, into writing? It was many years ago and I, my company, the part I was in was being sold. Work was super slow. When, when you're ever in a company and your division is being sold, they basically tell you to sit in your office and don't call anyone and don't spend any money and wait until we finish the sale. So really I didn't have a whole lot to do. And so I get home at night. I don't, don't have work on my mind. And so I said, well, you know, I'm going to tell a story. I, I always enjoyed my first trip, my first business trip to Europe. I've been to Europe many, many times uh, on vacation with my family and, and to see family, thing like that. But the first time I went on business, I was traveling to Zurich um, and I was going to go to a town called Zug. And Zug is kind of like the Switzerland of Switzerland. <laughs> it's um, it's where all the um, ferro alloys and pig iron and uh, gets traded. And a lot of that money and those products come from Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, the money's there in, in, in Switzerland. And then they're the trading arms that sell to the rest of the world. And I, and I had to go meet with them. And so I got off the airplane in Zurich and I took a train, um, to Zug. And I was so excited and uh, first time in Switzerland and first time traveling on my own international. And I thought I was kind of a big shot, you know, and it was really kind of the culmination of what I had always been trying to do work-wise. And I said, I'm going to write about that experience. I'm going to write about that feeling about, you know, how it was for me to get there. And I said, well, as I started writing it and I wrote a couple things and I said, you know, Nobody is going to want to read about my first business trip to Switzerland. I mean, that's like the dumbest thing in the world. No, no one wants to read that. What if this guy was uh, 
doing something illegal or, or maybe, you know, kind of like a, a Jimmy Stewart character, you know, he was like the wrong man in the wrong place, you know, and, and he's just an average, you know, run of the mill guy who got caught up in some sort of thing. And so, well, what could he be doing? Well, what, what if, uh, you know, and that's where I came up with the idea of the, the, the San Lorenzo, um, uh, which is a rare, um, um, uh, document. It's a, a page from a, a, a missile. It's very um, um, beautifully painted, and it's the prayers of that saint, Saint Lawrence. Uh, and it was stolen from the. Uh, so I was researching, you know, what what uh, artwork has been stolen. What kind of rare books have been stolen? Well, it turns out the San Lorenzo was stolen from the Capitular Archives in Torino, Italy. Um, and it was found, it was uh, uh, recovered by um, the U.S. Customs uh, officials in Sarasota, Florida. Apparently, a couple in Sarasota, Florida, it was on a trip to London, and they bought this beautiful um, missile, and they brought it home, and then they lend, loaned it to uh, a university for a showing. And this is all I learned in my research uh, it was discovered by the Carabinieri Art Squad. So there's a, a, a particular group of the national police in Italy that goes after uh, trying to recover stolen artwork from Italy. And they're world renowned. And anyway, they found this uh, document that was going to be on display at, at the University of South Florida or someplace like that. And so the U.S. Customs came and uh, recovered it. So I learned more about that. That's a real life. If you if you Google that, you'll you'll see that. Um, I got to talking to my cousin about it, and he said, "Well, that that's interesting because um, the people who stole that tried to sell it to me because his." Uh, his uh, gallery is in Torino, Italy. So I said, started putting all those together. So now I say, okay, well, how am I going to, you know, weave this into the story? And so I do a whole background story on St. Lawrence um, um, and, uh, and, and his martyrdom. I do a background story on the people who stole the, the uh, uh, document. And then the story of, uh, of uh, Max Agresta, who, who's the character who is a guy, uh, in a kind of uh, go nowhere job, and he, he takes a side gig selling this manuscript to make a little bit of money and help out his family, and he ends up getting accused of murder. So that's once I had the character, once I had the MacGuffin, once I had the uh, the, the situation, uh, it wrote it, it. It went from there. That is that is so cool. It's so intriguing how you took those pieces and you were able to put all that together and write this amazing book. I mean, yeah, kudos thank to you. you. I was able to also put in a little bit of stories that I had heard growing up, like stories about my grandfather coming to the United States. I kind of wove them in as Max's stories about his grandfather. So there's a written record, you know, of uh, of my grandfather's story, but it's just kind of hidden uh, in in the story of Max Agressa and being accused of murder and 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 what he does to keep his job because he's doing a side job and. His boss is there and and he, he can't, you know, he can't turn to his boss for help. And so it was it was a lot of fun. And the characters in there are people, you know, people I've met in my lifetime. And I, I thought they were kind of funny. There's some kind of comic bad guys and um, some some interesting things and had a great time reading it. And my second novel has some of the same uh, characters who kind of were in the baseline, but it takes place uh, uh, in present time as opposed to 
um, my first novel, which takes place about uh, 12 years ago. So, Well, yeah, some of the characters in your book, um, Dynamic Truth, telling you that you, what a good writer you are and how you were able to help me visualize, really see stuff. And when that, I don't want to give it away, but when the alligator did his thing. <laughs> yeah, you can't give it away. It, I was seeing that and experiencing that and it gave me chills it was just crazy most definitely i do suggest that um people do read the dynamic truth because i thought it was extremely cool and i i just want to ask you also um you know i do this podcast for me because to be creative but also to try to positively impact at least one person um, do you have any words of wisdom i mean you just have a wealth of knowledge and experiences in life do you have any words of wisdom when it comes to if someone wants to be creative or, or if someone wants to tap into uh, writing? You've, you've given us a lot of um, examples, but do you have anything else you want to add to that one specific person? Maybe someone who doesn't have the means or the money to get a publisher. We have some talent. Well, you don't need any money. Um, it's free. So um, that that's the first thing. Um, you, you don't need any money to do an Amazon book. You know, it would help, you know, maybe you want some help with the cover design. Maybe you want some help editing it because, you know, maybe you're not so good at, uh, you know, grammar. Fine. You you can do that, but you can do it. Uh, a lot of things for, for very inexpensively. A word does a great job editing. Um, you can use Grammarly, which is a way that you can um, upload your documents into Grammarly and, it will tell you where you can improve on your sentence structure. Maybe there's too many passive um, sentences. And, you know, the, the best thing I find is if you have good friends who are willing to read and boy, those people who read your early drafts are very good friends. And I had um, very good fortune of, of, of my wife reading it, my daughter reading, it, my mom and dad read it. I also had, uh, as I mentioned, the ex-Blackwater diplomatic security guard read it. My cousin, uh, Anne and her husband, Joe read it. So, and they gave me, you know, pages of notes on, you know, what you might want to change or where it didn't make sense or, or where it was slow. There's editing. There are people who do uh, content editing. You can find them on Fiverr. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Fiverr, but that is a an online. Yeah, kind of, I use Fiverr a lot. For yeah, I think I think that's a great way. Um, taking a writing course. I took a writing course uh, in Florida. We have a great thing called the Florida Writers Association, and I joined that. It's like thirty dollars a year or something. But they have a contest every year, and what uh, what's wonderful about it is you submit your novel. And they have real professionals judging you. Now, I happen to be a finalist for my novels, which was fantastic. But more importantly, um, they gave me feedback on different elements under their rubric of where uh, I could improve. And I found that to be that criticism to be extremely helpful uh, in, in helping me refine my writing. Um, I actually was lucky enough to get uh, a friend of a friend who's in the uh, television business who read my first novel. And um, she gave me some uh, uh, very good, uh, you know, you got to have a tough skin, you know, gave me some criticism on it. And I said to myself, you know, um, one way uh, the criticism was that maybe the voice was too passive in some cases, uh, and 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 maybe I was showing or telling, not showing. That's a big problem for for beginning writers. 
So that's why I wrote Dynamic Truth before I had even finished the first novel, because I wanted to write something in the first person present. When you're writing in the first person present, you're very much, you know, what's going on right now. And it's really hard to be passive if you're speaking yourself about what you're doing. And so, you know, that was very helpful. So there, there's all that advice is kind of more practical stuff. The biggest advice I'd give anybody is don't wait. There is no time like the present to start writing. And you don't need to have a quiet room and a, you don't need to have a writer set up. You know, you just, you're, you're right on your cell phone on notes is what I do. And I wrote the first chapter, the opening chapter of Dynamic Truth, uh, which takes place on a on a um, on an airplane that uh, having some very bad mechanical problems, and um, and I wrote that on an airplane because it was bumpy, and I which said, scared me. Yeah, <laughs> I was on an airplane. It was bumpy, and we were going like that. And I said, "Wow, huh? I wonder. Wonder. Let me write." And I started writing, and when I landed. Um, I texted that to my wife who read it and she was like, tell me more, write more, which was great encouragement from her. And she's always been a great encouragement for, for me and my writing. And, um, um, I think she was a little disappointed that it was too many curse words in, um, in, in the second novel, but there are none in the first novel. So I, I can say that, but you know, she's always been very encouraging on that. And, and, um, but the, the idea is write and you write again, and you write. And I write every day, um, not always creatively, uh, or not uh, not always fiction. I write for work, you know. I write reports, I write things, but but keeping in that practice of constantly putting, you know, metaphorically pen to paper is incredibly important to being um, keeping yourself sharp and and putting it out there, not being discouraged. Well, that's a great wealth of information you've given me to to share. And I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you so much. You have an amazing family. I'm so blessed to have met you and, and friends with your family. Okay. As, if you're talking about giving advice and encouragement to other people, um, I know there's probably older people who are listening to podcasts. They're probably not young people. But when I talk to young people or old people, whoever, I, I tell them that, um, you know, they should, this is the greatest time to be alive. I think. I mean, there's a lot of bad things going on in the world, but this is the greatest time to be alive because we have at our disposal everything that used to be difficult to do. So if you had a book in you, you would toil away uh, on that book at a typewriter. Well, now you got a computer, it can edit it. It'll tell you where you misspelled stuff. It'll tell you where you, you didn't do the grammar correctly. Then you would have to go get an agent or take the book around to publishers and get rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter. And then if you were lucky enough to get it published, unless you were some huge star and really fortunate, you made a little bit of money and that was about it. I mean, we can all talk about the people like Tom Clancy who ended up making lots of money or, or somebody else, but, but most people don't make any, they don't make, hardly make any money. You would literally make more money if instead of writing, you worked at McDonald's for the same number of hours. You'd be much wealthier. If I, if I had worked at McDonald's for $10 an hour, um, instead of writing that book for the same amount of time, I'd probably have $20,000 in my wallet, you know? So it's not about right. money making proposition. But you have the ability to now publish it. 
you you can write the the, the thing you want to write. You can write your memoir. You can write your how-to book. You can write your book about an experience or or something you know about very deeply. And and if it's uh, fiction, great. If it's nonfiction, it might make money because there's always a market for people wanting to learn about about either history or about how to do something or about an industry. You can publish it on on Kindle, uh, on Amazon. You can upload it for free. You can you can have it published. You can sell it through their uh, website. It's print on demand. So every time somebody purchases one, it uh, Amazon prints that book at that time. So there's no inventory carrying costs. There's no upfront fees. It's it's great if you're a comedian and you want to tell jokes or tell stories or tell inspirational things. Get on YouTube. Get on TikTok. You know that's free. And if, if people take you up on that, you 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 can make money or 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 maybe not make money, but you enjoy it. If uh, I like hiking, I I videotape my hikes and I put little compilations. I put it on YouTube. I get some hits. If somebody's going to uh, the Kenai Peninsula and wants to hike the Portage Pass Trail. If they type that in, they'll probably see my video will come up, tell you how to do it, where we went and in Alaska. So you can create all the avenues for distributing your content are there at your disposal. And I think people should do it. Many people are doing it. If it's not a moneymaker, um, I don't think that's right the way to go, right way to go into it. I think the right way to go into it is it's your passion. It's what you want to do. It's what you love. It has to come out of you, that expression. And that, that should be the goal. And if, if something else comes out of it, well, that, that's icing on the cake, as they say. I love that you're saying that this is the best time to be a writer, the best time to be alive, the best time to be an author. Yes. It is. Thank it you is. for that. That was very inspiring. Uh, thank you very much for having me on oh my gosh. this podcast. Thank I you. Wish you all 